Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. First 10 we did last week at the end of chapter 1. So uh, we're going to pick up, and I get uh, ribbed about this all the time that we talk about circumcision in here for for some reason. Uh, it's not me, it's Paul. <laughs> he, he's the one that talks about it all the time. I'm just teaching the Word, so again, today we get to talk about circumcision. So here we are, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. So then that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. All right, let, I'm going to take you back since this is where Paul is. Uh, the hour that God called Abraham and God made a difference at this point between the Jews and the Gentiles. Like, before this, everybody was pretty much the same, but at this point, he's literally taking this group of people from Israel and saying, okay, I'm going to make you different. And God's purpose in that was not so that they could have it to boast. It was so they could reach others that were not from their group of people. They were intended to be the one that understood this relationship with God and take it to the world. So God set them apart that he might use them to be a channel of revelation for his goodness and the health of other nations. Sad to say, <laughs> Israel kept this difference nationally and ritually, but not morally. I'll take you back. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. This is a huge verse. This is a huge verse. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. You have to understand this. All Abraham did was believe God. He didn't walk down a center aisle, say a, a prayer, you know, make a confession or anything like that. It said, It says right here, Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him righteousness. Okay, so it was credited, he wasn't made righteous. It was credited to him because at the point of the cross, that's where he received his righteousness, when Jesus died on the cross. So up until that point, because Abraham believed God and that God was going to send a Savior, send a Messiah, he was, he was credited righteousness. You, on the other hand, were born after the cross, after Jesus died. So there's no credit for you, because guess what? You have been made righteous. You are holy, righteous, and redeemed. It all happened at the cross. Jesus did it. You'll find out here in just a second. But here, here, here's... The beautiful thing about this, that happened in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Abraham, all he did was believe. He was credited righteousness. Genesis chapter 17, two chapters later, watch what happens. Hang with me. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him saying, I'm God Almighty. Live in my presence and be blameless. 
I will set up my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell face down, and God spoke with him. As for me, here is my covenant with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I will make you the father of many nations. Father Abraham had many sons. And it says, I will make you extremely fruitful and will make nations and kings come from you. I will confirm my covenant that is between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations. It is a permanent covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all the land of Canaan, as a permanent possession, and I will be their God. So if God intended for Abraham and the Jews to be the group of people that are going to reveal the loving goodness of God to the rest of the nations... That's what he was trying to establish. So then he takes it a step further in verse 9. He says, God also said to Abraham, As for you and your offspring, you are throughout their generations are to keep my covenant. This is my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you, which you are to keep. Every one of your males must be circumcised. Did, did, Did Abraham even know what that meant at that point? circumcised you must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you I'm sitting here with the rest of the guys going man if I'm Abraham I'm questioning this whole thing right now but Abraham was faithful he's like God whatever you say whatever you say throughout your generations Every male among you is to be circumcised at eight days old. Every male born in your household or purchased from any foreigner and not your offspring. Now, this became, here's why this is important. Genesis 15 said he believed in God and he was credited righteous. It's two chapters later that works became involved. You get that? You believe. You believe, then God leads you to do things. It's not you do good works and get salvation. That would be backwards. You simply believe, and because of your belief in God, God will lead you to do some crazy, crazy things. But now this is a covenant that God's made with Abraham. If If you take this into the world, if you take this into the world, Now, again, the cross changed everything for you, for the Gentiles. They didn't have to be circumcised because it was no longer about the flesh. It was no longer about doing things. The whole old covenant was about doing things. Get this. Abraham believed. Then the covenant, God says, permanent. And you're going to have to be circumcised. And then Exodus comes along, which is the law, the Ten Commandments and everything else, and you have to do this law. So the whole old covenant was about doing things, doing things in your own strength. Jesus comes comes along. He fulfills the law perfectly. 
He says, uh, you guys have obviously proved that you can't do this. I've done it. Now I'm going to die for you. The cross happens, makes you holy, righteous, and redeemed. And it's no longer about us doing things. We're in the new covenant. That was the old covenant. The old covenant was about doing things to please the Lord. You please the Lord. Period. You're holy, righteous, and redeemed. He looks at you and he's pleased. And it's not about the flesh. It's not about doing things. Watch this. Romans 2.28 says this. For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, the flesh... And true circumcision is not something visible in the flesh. On the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart. Like spiritually, you've been circumcised of the heart by the Spirit, not the letter. That person's praise is not from people, but from God. Like no one has to see anything but God sees your heart. Once you believe you're made righteous, he takes your old stone heart out that they talk about in the Old Testament, the prophets, and they replace it with a new heart. You're a new creation. A circumcision has happened in your life only because you believed. Not because you made some dedication, not because you said some prayer of confession or anything else like that. You just raised your hand and said, I need a God to save me. Is it? Something in you died. You were crucified with Christ. Now watch this, verse 12, it says, At that time, you were without Christ. Excluded from, remember, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. Gentiles, not Israel. He's like, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. He's literally going, this is what you used to look like. I get it. The Jews, the Israelites, had all these things and the ability to teach you, but they pretty much kept it to themselves. But you guys, they were without Christ. Remember, the church, the people in Ephesus, the Ephesians, they worshipped the goddess Diana. Before coming to the gospel, they, they knew nothing about Christ. It was all about these false gods. And it says that they were aliens, the commonwealth of Israel. They had no rights. They didn't have the covenant that God made with them. They were left out of that covenant. Again, the covenant wasn't made to make the Israelites better. It was made to say, take this into the world. It says they were strangers from the covenants of the promise. While the blessing of the Gentiles included God's covenant with Abraham, you go back to Genesis chapter 12, it says this, Lord said to Abram, Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. All the peoples on the earth. Like God intended his message, his love, his, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness. He, he wanted the world to have it. And it was going to go through the Jews, but they pretty much just like, it's ours. It's ours. Until Paul came along. 
So now there's this, there's this passion that Paul has. It's like, this is what God intended. I say this to you all the time. When tragedy happens, chaos happens in our community or anything like this, God never intended it to be this way. He never intended it to be this way. He intended it to be perfect for us to have eternal life, not to be dying, not to be suffering, not all these things. God didn't make the covenant with the Gentiles, yet the covenant was for the Gentiles. Uh, Another thing, it says they had no hope. Historians will tell you that the Gentile people all around had this cloud of hopelessness that just covered them because they believed in these earthly philosophies and false gods, and there was just this emptiness to it. It says, you are without God in the world. Paul's gone to Athens. He's looked at all the different gods. Someone in that day said it was easier to find a god than it was to find a man. There were so many gods in Greece and Asia. So now he's like saying, this is what you came from. Verse 13, it says, but now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You guys weren't anywhere close to this because you were chasing other things. And it's kind of not your fault because the Jews didn't really live up to their promise either. But now because Jesus has come and done these things, the Gentiles through faith in Jesus now have access to the Father anytime that they like. That's you. You have access to the Father anytime you like. Whereas the Jews, what'd they do? They had to go to the temple. They had to go to the tabernacle. Right? You have access to the Father right now through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Verse 14, it says, For He is our peace, who made both groups, Jews and Gentiles, both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of of hostility. Paul's literally saying to them, here, here's what you have to do. Uh, let, me, let me show you the temple real quick. This is the temple in Jerusalem. This is the model of it. Uh, but, but that's the temple. Uh, that's Solomon's colonnade on the left side of the Temple Mount. This is the temple that Solomon actually built. King Herod then like increased in size. And so in the middle, uh, let's go to the next slide and show you. Uh, the temple building is actually where the Holy of Holies was. That's where God resided before Jesus came on earth. All right? Because the the glory of the Lord was in Jesus. All right? And uh, you can see the court of the Gentiles on the left side and on the right side of that temple building. The Gentiles were welcome to come to that, but they could not go into the different courts inside that, that was only for the Jews and the priests. They had to stay outside of that. And then that little wall on the bottom, not on the left, but on the right, that the arrow's pointing to, it actually had an inscription, and they actually have a stone tablet from that that has the inscription on it. Show them that right there. That's an actual tablet from the temple, and, and it said this on there. This was from Herod's temple, in, and it says, No foreigner may enter within the, ta- within the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. 
Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. That's what it says. So now they couldn't get into the court where the Holy of Holies was and where God resided. Now, all of a sudden, they have access. Galatians 3.28 says this, There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all one in Christ Jesus. He says, verse 15, says, In his flesh he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. In peace. That's a very confusing sentence right there. Let me break it down for you. He made no he made of no effect the law. That basically means this. If you go to uh, New American Standard, it says he abolished. In other words, he made inoperative. He made inactive. You guys, I I'll say this very clearly to you. My first part of my Bible right here was, was the Old Covenant, was the law. Jesus lived the law perfectly. But when he came, he... He fulfilled it, and he finished it. He completed it his whole life. No sin. Perfectly. And he became the sacrifice because we couldn't do it. No one else could do it except for Jesus. And literally, he's, he's saying right now, because I've done that, the law is no longer necessary. You say that in most churches around here, and they'll look at you cross-eyed. Like, what are you talking about? We, we have to be under the law of God. I don't have to be under the law of God because it says it right here. And there's a reason for that. Because God's living inside of me. And he's literally saying, if you just submit, I'll live your life for you. I'll do this for you. You don't need a list of laws or anything else. That list of laws was to show us that we needed him. That's what the purpose of that was. But now I'm holy, righteous, and redeemed. If, and if I can understand that and I can live out of that and I can hear him on a daily basis, I can hear him speak to me, I can, I can feel him breathe for me. What an incredible experience that is. I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Not for you to follow a list of rules and regulations. Jesus did away with this whole ceremonial law to free all of us to live by grace. That's it. And grace, again, we said, you get grace because he, he gave you a free gift of salvation, but grace is really the God's ability to live through us on a daily basis. God's ability right now for me to teach you. Now, I, I'm talking, you're hearing but he's speaking to you, not me. Like, like you're hearing a message. Not from me, but from him. And, of course, one of the favorite parts of this is that he made himself one new man from the two. One, I'm a, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm new. I, I'm not the old man that I was. Sinful had a sinful nature. I'm a new creation. 
no longer with the sinful nature. Yeah, I still sin. Yeah, I still make bad decisions. Yeah, I still am selfish. Yeah, I still do things for myself. And that's the part that is sin. When I walk by my flesh, rather than just walking by my spirit and doing what he wants to do for me. Verse 16, it says, He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, by which he put the hostility to death. It was not a question of the Gentile becoming a Jew to become a Christian. That's not what that was about. But it was really more about the Jew admitting he was a sinner like the Gentiles. (laughs) You go back to the Gospels, you go back to the Gospels and really, that's what it's all about. Jesus is challenging these religious Jewish people who are so into their own ceremonies and their their own laws. They made their own laws because they didn't feel like God's laws were enough to protect them. They made more laws. And they were so into this that they totally missed what God's intentions were for them. So now he's literally doing this so they can see that they're a sinner. It says, since there is no distinction, verse uh, Romans 3.22 and 23, it says, since there's no distinction for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, you Jews need to recognize that. The same law that separated the Gentile and the Jew also separated man and God. And so Christ bore the curse of the law. Paul reminds us that the unbelieving Gentiles were under the law as well. Go back to Romans chapter 7, verse 4. It says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you were also put to death in relation to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. But the law had a purpose. It you can't do this. You can't do this. So you need a Messiah. It's still in effect today. It's still in effect today. The law is used so that people realize, gosh, this is this is impossible to do. Ah go go read go read Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Try to fulfill that. Matthew five, six, and seven. Try it. Red letters. Try it. See how you do. Good luck. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. So once they're in Christ, this distinction, once they're in Christ, any disunity between the Jews and the Gentiles is really a a direct result of sin. So because the Jews kept it so close, so tight, and didn't allow them in, it was really just sin. So God's like saying, you need to see what the issue is here. Verse 17, it says, He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. He came into this world to serve as a mediator and hoping to restore that relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles that got messed up for so many years the Gentiles being the ones that were far away and the Jews being the ones that are near, he wanted them to be unified, even today. Verse 18, it says, 
For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. As, as God's children who possess his spirit, we can enter into the Father's presence through the avenue of Jesus Christ anytime that we like. Hello? <laughs> it's like I'm walking, I'm driving. I'm chilling out, and the whole time I'm in the presence of a holy living God. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to come to pinheads. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to do any of that. I'm in Hebrews 4.16 says this, Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. Like, literally, when I'm struggling, I should be able... I should be able to go to God with boldness, with boldness, and receive grace. Verse 19. So then, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. They take a deep breath. Through Jesus, the Gentiles are no longer strangers and aliens. Saints made saints. Abraham now cashed in on his credit because of what Jesus did. He's a saint. All the way back from Genesis 1-1 all the way to the end, Revelation 22-21, everybody's a saint that believes, that believes in Jesus. It's hard because of what this world has made the word saint to be for you to receive that. It's hard. I've talked to people that go, yeah, I'm still working on that whole saint thing that I've been made a saint. Well, it's because you didn't do anything. He did it. He did it for you, and it says it right here. Sin had divided mankind, but Christ literally unites us by his spirit. Doesn't matter what your national background is, doesn't matter what your faith is, it is a holy nation with citizenship in heaven. Verse 20, it says, it says, And members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Okay, the, pro- the apostles obviously were the ones who were with Jesus and were trained by Jesus. Those were the po- apostles. But before that, and even during that, they had prophets, those that were equipped with the message of the apostles and were able to, tell the things of God to his people. So that was the foundation there, but with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone, Christ Jesus, that's the thing that holds everything together. It's the starting point where they build the building. It's what everything else is built on is based upon that cornerstone. Yes, the foundation is the apostles and the prophets, but that cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. When he's referring to the temple and the cornerstone, not only the, Jew, the Jews are thinking about that temple you just looked at, but the, the, the people in, in Ephesus, they had temples too. They had the temple to die in it. They truly understood what the cornerstone was. So he's speaking their language in both Temples were destined to be destroyed, by the way. They were going to be destroyed. 
but the temple of Christ, it lasts forever. You know where that is, right? That's sitting in this room. That would be you. Watch. Verse 21. And him, the whole building being put together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him. Those who believe in Jesus are in Christ, and Christ is in you. We did that whole timeline thing. If you are in him, we're put together as a church, a body of believers, and the holy living God resides inside of us. These stones that he's talking about are the believers, and we're being fit together today. And I'm not just talking about in this room. Those are believers of Jesus all over the world. We are one body. Verse 22, it says, In him you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Oswald Chambers says this, It's one thing to have participated in regeneration and sanctification, and quite another thing, to enjoy the knowledge that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That is not an experience. It is a revelation. And a revelation which takes some believing and then some obeying. <laughs> who, who inhabits the temple? The Holy Spirit does. But what is the temple? That's you. That's you. You... You realize that most of us went our whole faith walk with knowing that, knowing that, but not believing it. If I could, if I could somehow, some way cause you to believe that, that you are special, that you are God's masterpiece, and he's chosen to take up residence inside of you, to live inside of you, to breathe inside of you, to do all these things for you. Ah, oh, man, this place would be crazy. Crazy. Yet, the church is still doing this. What the Jews did. It's ours stars you guys you guys are whacked out over there you guys are whacked out over there on the left we're staying over here on the right <laughs> it's not much different than what paul was talking about because we just keep holding on to our little faith and we keep doing the things that god wants us to do and he's like you don't realize if you realize that the God lives inside of you. Things would be different. There, w there wouldn't be arguments and discussions. It wouldn't be a part of politics. It would be living the light in a very, very dark world. And this is all Paul's saying to you have to see that I instruct myself regarding these revelations. 
which are only interpreted to me to me by the Holy Ghost, never by my natural thought process, but by the wisdom of God. If I can see this revelation of what God has done and that he's given me wisdom and I can live this light, this good news, this gospel in a darkened world, it's probably going to have an impact. It's probably going to have an impact. God, I pray that you... Reveal yourself to each and every person in this room. That they understand the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Before the cross and after the cross. That things changed. Things were made inactive and you were made active in us. I trust you with that. I trust that you will continue to open the eyes of those in this room. And those that are even listening online right now, that you would just have a great revelation inside of them. I trust you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.